Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Sam. And this week is our second Chamber of Secrets episode where we will be comparing the book and film. So it is Enemies of the Air Beware. Yeah, so we're basically going to be talking about the same stuff we did last week, except this week it's more narrowed down and focused on the movie Chamber of Secrets. Um, But paying homage to that, we are... um, drinking polyjuice potion this week which we actually um on our patreon page set up a poll for our patrons to vote on if they'd rather us drink polyjuice potion which we have drank before in a previous episode or if they would rather us drink a new cocktail that we haven't tried before which is the slytherin but they voted on polyjuice potion so that's what we're drinking this week Mm -hmm. and we'll just save the slytherin for a different perhaps character profile or Slytherin-specific episode. Right. So once a month, we'll be having our patrons vote on what they want us to drink or submitting ideas for us. So if you want to pick our drink of the week, you should become a patron. (laughs) (laughs) I, for one, am really happy to be drinking this Polyjuice Potion again because this time I altered it a little bit. So if you guys weren't with us the first time that we had polyjuice potion it was um vodka sherbet i think it was like lime sherbet specifically and then lemon lime soda and bitters so i still had sherbet left over it had a wee bit of frostbite on it but you know you just (laughs) knock that off you make do you make do you make do yeah i mean i'm always happy not to have to buy something a second time so i used that and then i left out the bitters this time just because i remember that's what i did not like about it last time so this time it just feels like i'm drinking spiked punch which is like every like 24 year old dream, right it's like you right. grow up and now you drink the punch that's spiked <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah I, it's good. You know, I, we drank this with our Halloween episode. So it's kind of nice to revisit our old drinks, I think. Just yeah. Every I mean, at some while. point, we're going to have to start cycling them back through. Right. Yeah. There so. are only so many cocktails out there, my friends. So. <laughs> and there are some that we probably don't want to drink again, right. but right. that's okay. So we're happy to be drinking Polyjuice Potion this week and yeah. hope you guys enjoy it if you make it with us. But. Let's move into our poll results from this week. Yeah, so our poll results, our poll question was, did you feel that the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets movie was a good representation of the book? So on Facebook, 74% said yes, 26% said no. So on Instagram, 71% said yes, and 29% said no. And on Twitter, 89% said yes and 11% said no. So definitely more people said no for this one than the Sorcerer's Stone, which I can agree with. I think, you know, just because these books get larger, 
there's not enough time to put everything in. Well, yeah, and your expectations grow with each one. Right, and you get older and you start to pick out different things. Right. It's also just, you know, it definitely still has that magical overtone, right? Because, like, you're going back to Hogwarts for the second time and everything, but it's not as magical as the first one, just because that's your first introduction into this world. But I do think, overall, I... Even rewatching it, I was still satisfied with this movie. There was no, like, I mean, yeah, they did leave out some things, which we'll get to, but I wasn't, like, pissed off at it, you know? Honestly, I felt like I prefer the pacing in this movie over the pacing in the book. Yeah, it's a lot quicker. It moved at a really good pace, where I feel like in the Chamber of Secrets book, it kind of takes you a while to get there. Right. And it takes a while for really the action to start picking up so I liked that about this movie as I was re-watching it but I think my favorite part about this movie is all of their little voices are changing yeah <laughs> and it was <laughs> they like definitely too. are like going through some puberty and I'm just like oh my gosh like going from watching um Sorcerer's Stone a few weeks ago to the to watching Chamber of Secrets I was like oh <laughs> poor babies I know it's like they're like literal babies in the first one and then this one they sound like their voices are changing and they're just i know rupert grant looks so much older in this one to me i feel like they're probably trying to sound older too right yeah and their voices are probably like cracking and stuff so (laughs) i'm sure filming this one was an adventure for all of them and then there's hermione who's just as innocent as always until uh the next movie but and then, you know, once we get to the fourth movie, they'll all have really long hair, which... The <laughs> fourth what... movie is just, like, an outlier out there on an island for all of their, like, personal styles. I know. And... <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, we start off this movie, and it kind of kicks off just like Sorcerer Stone did with jumping right into the action. Like, there's not really any setup, so we don't get the whole... Harry's laying in the garden and seeing these eyes and doing all these chores and telling Dursley all these, like, made-up magic words. Like, I can't remember. He he was basically saying, like, bippity-boppity-boo in the book to Dursley and scaring him. Yeah. So he doesn't do all that. And it just jumps (laughs) straight to the dinner party, which I think, you know, is a theatrical reason, and it should, and it picks up where it should for a movie. Right. Yeah, I think the beginning... I really don't have any qualms. I feel like the way they did it was fine. You really don't get that much more out of the book. I mean, J.K. Rowling's just, like, restating who Harry is and what Hogwarts is and, right. you know, It's just like, that in case you missed it, it from right. the last book, right. this is what happened. Um, um, here's a little refresher. Yeah, so I, I like how they picked it up and how the beginning was quicker so that you could just jump straight into the burrow and then to Hogwarts itself and I think that that was good and I think our introduction to Dobby yes it's different in the books um because he does Mm -hmm. see him in the bushes and then puts two and two together but I think the way they did that like when he comes back in his room there's a house over there (laughs) I think the way they did that it's like really just a key pivotal moment because you're like okay there are some weird ass creatures in this world and like who is this cute little elf guy well, I think it also just sets up, like, how Dobby is always going to just present in. himself to right. Harry for the rest of the book. Like, not the rest of the series, but definitely the rest of the book. He just kind of shows up in, like, 
the most like inopportune moments and he's just in there like jumping on his bed and giggling yeah and um is like the worst timing in the world for harry and i remember when i was watching this when i was younger how much dobby annoyed me i was like (laughs) you're gonna get him into trouble like shut up what are you doing and now i just sit there i'm just like oh i love you so much don't go i know i feel like i had the same attitude towards him because we really like don't see him again for a little while right so i think at first in the series when you're reading and you're watching you're like oh my god you're getting him in trouble like they already hate him so much and you're just gonna make it worse and like you can't even tell him what you're warning him about like what a waste of time why did you keep his letters from his friends you made him think everyone hated him like Mm -hmm. i don't know but then watching it back (laughs) like just like you go dobby like what a brave (laughs) house elf you know dobby doesn't give a fuck no yeah i also saw that in that scene where we see dobby on like behind harry's bed there's like some gryffindor swag hanging up like there's a gryffindor flag and there's like his school tie hanging up on like one of those um like pushpin boards whatever you call them Mm mm-hmm and I'm just like, you know, I really love that touch and that, like, attention to detail. But I'm also just like, the Dursleys probably wouldn't have really actually let him put that stuff up in his room. Yeah, I feel like you're probably right. I do like it because I think it shows that his, that where his headspace is at, even when he's at the Dursleys. Obviously, he's longing to be at Hogwarts. But, yeah, they probably wouldn't. I mean, also, a thing I noticed while we're in his room... Um, is he, when he's talking to Hedwig and saying he can't let her out and the key is literally in the lock. Right, but he can, like, he can physically let her out, but he can't because the Dursleys will get mad. I know, him. but wouldn't right. you think that, like, Vernon would take the key away? Like, that's what yeah. I was thinking. I don't know. I just think the whole situation is really unfortunate for Harry, and I think it's, you know, it's obviously good that he gets out of there every... He only has to stay there for yeah. four months. Well, but. I feel like... If I was Harry, I would still let Hedwig out, and, like, how are they really going to know if I'm letting my owl out? Like, he doesn't have bars on the window yet, so if I do it in the middle of the night, my owl flies back, and, like, I tell Hedwig, look, be quiet if you want to fly. Which she would do. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be a big deal. But um, one thing that I noticed after Harry, like, shoves Dobby into his closet cupboard thing Mm -hmm. and vernon comes in and is like what the fuck are you doing you just ruined my punchline and he goes back out and dobby comes out of the cupboard and he has a sock that he has on his like head and he pulls off and he like sniffs it and then throws it aside and i just felt like that was like a really cute weird moment i didn't even catch that i love that yeah i'll have to go back it was really funny it It was like a good little nod to right coming full circle at the end Mm -hmm. so then you know Dobby warns us, warns Harry. Um, Petunia makes that gross-looking cake. The, like, the purple pudding. It was um, <laughs> so ugly. And then Dobby, you know, levitates it so that it falls on, <laughs> falls on the head of that woman, <laughs> which I think is always one of my favorite scenes because she just gets finished bragging about her suits to Petunia. Oh, my suits mm-hmm. are tailor-made, and <laughs> this, boom, the pudding explodes on her. Um, but then what I really like that they left out of the movies but not the books is that after that, um, Harry gets an owl from the ministry mm-hmm. for the improper use of magic office, basically saying that he can't 
use magic outside of school. And that's when the Dursleys learn in the book that he can't. So, like, technically yeah. in this movie, they don't learn that, right? Yeah, that's true. And I think that was, like, a pivotal moment for Harry in the books because he really had that, like, to hold over Dudley so Dudley wasn't so mean to him. Right, that was probably, like, his most easygoing summer to this point in his life because mm-hmm. Dudley was leaving him alone because he was afraid of him. So now he has, like, nothing to hold over his head. You know, clearly they have to leave things out, but I think this might have been one thing they should have probably left in. But, yeah, I agree. You know, time. I get it. Again, this, these are going to be nitpicky things, guys, because, like, we're really not to the point of these movies yet where we can really do, like, big things <laughs> that they left out. Just wait till the next one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But then, you know... Ron and Fred and George come and <laughs> save Harry. <laughs> I will still never get over the way he said George in that scene. And take him to the burrow with the flying. Yeah, just a side note. What is up with Harry's accent in this movie? I feel like Daniel Radcliffe was like experimenting. Maybe it's because his voice is changing. I think it is just like the voice change. Yeah, I think he just didn't know what to do with George. <laughs> Fred. George. Oh, <laughs> sweet Daniel Radcliffe. Sweet what a, baby what child. A cute baby. All right. Uh, anyway, so they end up going to the burrow, and we see that for the first time, and it's like what everyone Heaven. dreams. Yes, it's, um, and it's, you know, Harry's greatest dream come true, just seeing all the magic happening with the dishes that wash themselves and the knitting the, and the, the clock knitting and that the I clock love. And, yeah, all of that. The clock is a little different in the book, but I absolutely love it in the movie. I think, yes, they did leave some parts out of this um, scene in the movie, but I mm-hmm. love the burrow scene. I think the way they did it was just perfect. I do too. But I did make a mental note for, like, the next time we watch the movies and we see the burrow. Like, when we see that wide shot of the burrow and the house, the exterior of the house. Right. Um there's like a body of water next to it which i know in half-blood prince that we like run through like some sort of like marshy swamp area Mm -hmm. but i don't remember there always being like a body of water right next on the right hand side of the burrow so the next time we watch i want to look out for that and see if that's there yeah yeah back to the clock one thing that i was wondering about when it said ron fred and george were all like missing or wherever and then it goes to them being at home shouldn't the other one say like shouldn't it say that molly's at home and that jenny's at home and percy's at home probably yeah i don't know i mean i think that maybe that i think it said they were in like mortal peril or something yeah which is funny because they all end up being in mortal peril when Voldemort comes back Um, all the time all the time but yeah, that's a good point. Maybe there's like we'll have to go back and rewatch it. Maybe there's like a sleeping option for Ginny and Percy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Um, but anyways, then Mrs. Weasley comes down the stairs. Where have you been? Perfect actress. Ten out of ten. I love her. <laughs> yes. Um, I just love it. Yeah, I love that whole scene. And then Ginny comes in. It's like, have you have you seen my jumper? Yes, dear. It was on the cat. Also, on the cat, what is that? 
<laughs> was the cat literally wearing her jumper? I mean, you know what? I never really thought about that before. But yeah. it's an interesting idea that the cat would have put on the jumper. Maybe, if it's a magical did cat. She, did she Our friends, the our jumper? British friends... Does this mean something else to you guys? Like, is there, like, a piece of furniture that you refer to as the cat? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. No, I don't think so. I mean, there might be. I don't know. I feel like that's just, like, a funny quip that they just snuck in there. I mean, I hope it is a funny quip. Don't get me wrong. But I'm curious to see if there's more to it. Because every time we ask that, we do get responses, so. That's true. Maybe. Okay. Anyways, then um, Arthur comes back from work, and he's like, nine raids at the ministry, which is important later. Right. And he meets Harry for the first time. Which is my favorite. He's like, he sits down at the table, right, after being at work all night, and he looks at Harry, he's like, who are you? Like, yeah. Molly, where did we get another child? <laughs> oh. It's like, I didn't even notice you for a second, because yeah. I have so many fucking kids. And he's like, Harry Potter, he's like, are you really? <laughs> like, are you really? <laughs> I love Arthur Weasley. I just, this whole scene, like I said, I just really love, because I think the Weasleys are such a fun family, and I really like that, you know, Harry gets to experience this, and I'll always argue that I think he should spend every summer holiday with them. I get why he can't, because of the protection charm. I understand that, but I still think he should. Yeah, I agree. They're, like, goals. Yeah. So then they're traveling to Diagon Alley. Diagonally. Um, I don't understand. This whole scene, like, when I was rewatching it, I was rewatching it with Karn, and I literally went off on, like, a five-minute tangent. Like, it's really not that difficult to pronounce <laughs> Diagon Alley. Like, in it's the really book... It's not that hard to say. Right. In the book, it's like he might have stepped out at the wrong thing, but in the movies, they obviously can't really show that um, at this point, because they probably weren't that advanced yet to show that. Right. So, they just made him pronounce it weird. Like I said, what is up with Daniel Radcliffe's pronunciations of things in this movie? (laughs) Diagonally. Maybe maybe they got the idea to do it that way after Daniel Radcliffe just couldn't say it right. Georges. (laughs) Diagonally. Georges, let's go to Diagonally. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. God love him. And then he goes... I'm sorry, just this whole section is, I don't know why, but this whole Diagon Alley scene made me cringe this time watching it. I don't know. In Borgen and Burke's? Yes, and then also I really don't like, I can't remember if it's Borgen or if it's Burke, but the actor who plays that, I'm just like, I really mm. don't like him. I don't like when they go to the bookshop. I think it's just like, they leave out a lot, but it's also just like super over the top like draco just being a complete <laughs> dick for no reason and then he just has that nasty right. look on his face the entire scene yeah right I, agree. I just think it was like a little much i do like how they did keep the vanishing cabinet um prop so it's the same vanishing cabinet that you're gonna see later i do like that tie-in yeah I also like how Lucius, like, we clearly get the setup still that Lucius is abusive to Draco. And we get that throughout the movie. I think that the character um, of Lucius Malfoy that Jason Isaacs plays, I think the way he did that, it just really is such a good performance. Because the character of Draco, like we said, had to come from somewhere. Like, you don't just, like, start out being a jackass. You really don't. And I think that... 
the way he made his character interact with Tom Felton, I think is just just such a good performance, in my opinion. Yes, he's like a nasty, nasty, nasty character. Um, but in such a good way, because you're like, all right, this makes so much sense. Like, you kind of feel for no, Draco yeah. a little bit, you know? I agree. And I think I, I agree that he also played that role very well and I think in this book and this movie was when I was the most um afraid and intimidated by Lucius character right and then like he kind of just becomes a snake I mean he just kind of becomes a little bitch honestly (laughs) like you see that what drives Lucius is fear like right his pride and his fear so I don't know. I think he was a lot more foreboding right. in this book and movie than he was. And I think, you know, Draco gets older and he also is becoming like a huge bully because his dad is. And I think that it, my fear shifts from Lucius more to Draco as Draco gets more powerful. But that right. is a total side note and tangent. <laughs> I do think, though, just going off that, I think the reason that we feel this way is Lucius talks a big ass game. And then when it comes to time where Voldemort comes back, he has to, first of all, answer for basically saying that he was under the Imperious curse to Voldemort. Yeah. And then he gets what's coming to him. I mean, Karma's a bitch. And, like, honestly, if that is shown with anyone, it's Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But back to when they're in Borgen and Burks, he tells him, I, I can't remember again if it's Borgen or Burke, that, that one of the items that he's selling oh, yes. mm-hmm. isn't for sale but they don't show and it. i w- i want to know what that item is yeah they didn't show it like i even re rewound to like see i was like was right. it, is it the diary what i is feel it? like it probably is and i feel like borgen or burke i think it's borgen maybe not i don't know i was leaning toward burke who okay knows? well <laughs> one of them <laughs> someone tells who it someone is. tells him look it up that like, this um we're too far gone now yeah someone tells him whichever one it is tells him that it's like it possesses great dark magic or whatever and i really think that he could probably sense something because you know he's in this trade and hell he was around voldemort because voldemort worked there so right like that has to be what it is right right it's i think it definitely was a diary and i think it definitely leads like a little breadcrumb for kids watching this like Mm -hmm. oh he is up to something bad you know, because when right. I was little watching this, like, before I could really comprehend what was going on, it definitely, like, was, oh, he's selling, you know, bad things to this guy. Right. I mean, I feel like I wasn't really paying that much attention to detail when I was right. little watching this. Um, but, I mean, even when they go into the bookstore and Harry's all covered with soot because he was in Nocturnally and um, Gilderoy gave him his books or whatever and the whole, like, altercation with Lucius and Arthur doesn't really happen, but they have sort of like a standoff of words that are exchanged. Words are said. Um, words are said. Mm-hmm. Words are said. <laughs> and Lucius picks up Ginny's like tattered book, you know, and he's like, clearly you're a Weasley because you're like secondhand book. And he clearly does put the diary back into the cauldron yeah. with that book. Like he picks up one, puts back two. So I feel like that really gives the viewers that you know, as you say, breadcrumb, 
as to what's coming that I probably didn't even pick up on when I was watching the first few times. Like, I wasn't focused on detail. I was just focused on the plot moving forward. But now, like, that's something that I look for every time. Yeah, I think, you know, I think those moments are just so necessary, especially when you have kids watching these movies, which are who they're made for, um, these first few. So I think that, like, having it just be obvious that there was one book and now there's two and he was doing bad things and he's shady, I think, you know, it really does just kind of lead it up to it. I'm not sure, though, that we needed to kind of, like, I get they didn't really want to show, like, a big fight scene or whatever, but I don't know why we had to make it two books. Like, if J.K. Rowling didn't feel the need in her book to tell us right away in that scene that something extra was being slid in, then I don't know if we needed it in the movie. That's a good point. I would agree with that. But I also want to, like, think, what was Jenny thinking when this, like, random-ass book just showed up in her cauldron and she's like, I didn't buy this. Yeah, I don't again, remember picking this up. Like, you know, we mentioned this last episode that Ron clearly, like, this is something that Arthur has drilled into their heads. Like, why is she like, oh, well, it's fine. I'll be fine. Like, just like, what's meant to be will be. Sarasara, this is my journal now. My like, ink what? is disappearing and then someone's talking back to me. This is completely normal. It's fine. Yeah, you uh, know? I don't know. Well, I feel like Jenny is just, like, so starved for attention with having so many brothers that she right. probably just, like, wanted someone to listen to her. But I honestly feel like if she hadn't gone through all of this, she wouldn't grow into like the badass that we know and love like oh i I do think that she was just like a silly little 11 year old girl until all of this shit happened and she basically almost died yeah i mean she definitely had to grow up quickly i mean yeah this huge thing happened to her and i think this is kind of you know obviously harry didn't have any romantic feelings for her after this um he just saw her as a little sister but i think having that moment for them really solidified like a friendship um and she could actually be like a person around him right yeah um so i think that yes it's sad and terrifying and you know it is intense even as an adult to watch this movie back (laughs) at least the chamber part right but much like in our last comparison episode we need to get to hogwarts yeah so (laughs) (laughs) these are always gonna be long i know so anyways um we get past diagon alley harry goes back and stays with the weasleys and um they end up going to king's cross together and they're late and everyone's on a mad rush to get the platform and we know the platform seals itself. Harry and Ron decide to drive the car. All this stuff is basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more exciting. The car flying scene is more exciting in the Rupert movie. Rupert Grint's faces like, really make this whole scene. <laughs> they almost fall out and get smashed by the train and then crash into the Whomping Willow. Um, and then it cuts to Snape. Um, with his newspaper telling them, like, you were seen and you've cost us and if it was up to me, you'd be expelled. And Dumbledore is like, it's not up to you, Severus. <laughs> yeah. Sassy <laughs> Sit Dumbledore. the fuck down. And McGonagall's with them and basically Ron's like, well, we'll pack our things. <laughs> <laughs> and McGonagall's and like, shut up, sit down. Well, aren't you going to expel us? 
Not today, <laughs> Mr. Weasley. Not today, Satan. <laughs> All of that happens. Um, and I do love, right after that scene, um, it, this isn't in the books, but in the movie, Sir Nicholas is passing down a corridor, and he calls out and he says, Hello, Percy. Hello, Miss Clearwater. Yes, and that's really the only time... I feel like Penelope had a much bigger role in the books. You know? Like, Percy was secretly writing letters to her, and Georges um, pointed that out to Harry. (laughs) That's just what I'm calling him from now on. Um, I know, yeah. And then, you know, he... She's in the dungeon, like, when they're looking around, and I... Right, like, this is really the only little nod besides... Right, right, that, that she... But honestly, I don't really care about Percy, so it's fine. Yeah, that was just something that I had never noticed before watching the movies. Mm -hmm. And this time when I was, like, looking for things, I was like, oh, okay. They they got it in there. Okay. Respect. They gave it to us. So then they're going through their classes. Oh, Ron gets the Howler in the Great Hall, which... I think we talked about last week how it's, it's a little different what she says, but I think, you know. Same thing. Yeah. And they go to Lockhart's class. And, you know, I never really understood, like, and I still don't, like, even when I was little watching this, I never understood why all these preteens were, like, swooning over Lockhart. Like, It's really is weird. It, it's like, a, is it just me or is he not really attractive? And he's also, like, a tad creepy that he's, like, egging on all of these, like, 12-year-olds. It's not only that. I think it's just, like, the whole concept of him in general for me is really hard to wrap my head around, that, like, every witch is, like, spellbound by him. Like, even Molly, like, right. makes me a little like, Even, like, self-respecting but, women. Right. And they're just, like, knocked off their feet by this dude. Very like, creepy. He's not that cute. He's <laughs> obviously stupid. Like, I, like... Hermione? Hermione is writing him love letters? Yeah, that's weird. Like, the letter thing is weird. The fact that he, like, she sent him a valentine in the book, and then when she was in the hospital wing, um, he wrote her a letter. That's, the whole thing is just really weird. I feel like maybe it's just completely innocent and we're reading too much into it, but it definitely is strange. Yeah. I'm, it just makes me uncomfortable, like, watching it as an adult, watching all of these, like, younger girls like swooning over this like 40 year old man i'm just like i don't like this connotation at all but anyways right (laughs) anyway so they have that you know it kind of speeds up a bit here in my opinion um they go to the quidditch pitch wood is being wood um i love that they don't change him they make him a little toned down but he's still obsessed with quidditch then Ron has the spell with the um, slugs, which is always disgusting but funny to watch. Backfires, yeah. Right. Um, but then here's, in the movie, Hermione's the one to um, explain mudblood. And in the book, it's Ron. And I think that in the movie, they're just trying to, like, make her smarter, you know, um, more yeah, obvious. again, like they did in right. Sorcerer's Stone. Um, but honestly, I think... It's kind of lost that it's not Ron because Ron clearly is a wizard who comes from a wizarding family who are all purebloods who don't have this belief. And I think it's a really strong um, moment for Ron to be the one to talk about this. Yeah. 
I agree. So I do think that was lost because um, even Hermione wasn't exactly sure what it, I mean, she probably knew what it meant, but she wasn't like 100% sure. But just the connotation of it she didn't like was what was going on in the book. So yeah, I think that that was a moment lost. I would have loved to see little Rupert Grant talk about that. But <laughs> that's yeah, just well, me. Maybe it was too hard for the movie to make him explain it while vomiting slugs. Maybe. But then we don't see Ron doing his detention, but we do see Harry serving his detention with Lockhart right. when he first starts hearing the basilisk or the voices, um, and he's following that. And then that's when we see the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies by, of the air, beware. Yeah, by... Uh, <laughs> You'll be by next, my blood. cat. You know, there's panic, and the kids are all concerned about it when they're going to classes, and something that was different in the movie is that um, McGonagall is actually the one who explains to everyone what the Chamber of Secrets is, whereas in the book, it's Professor Benz, who is the History of Magic professor, and I feel like it's kind of a cool moment for Professor Benz to, like, because we see in the book that, like, this is the most engaged a class has ever been to him, and I'm like, oh... Poor sweet Professor Benz. Like, yeah, I just... so boring. I feel like but, they had I mean, to I get, get it why to... it was McGonagall. Yeah, because they didn't even have Professor Benz in the first movie. Right. So, like, they would have had to introduce a whole new character. Right. There would have to be so much backstory and explanation, but just a difference. And, like, I get why it was McGonagall. So, that's fine. But I really think that... I really think that a lot of it was very similar. Oh, one thing that I did really like that they did in the movie was the um rogue bludger scene when yeah. it's slytherin versus gryffindor so we get we get a good quidditch match from the from the book but i love that there's more of a face-off between harry and draco where they're like both chasing after the snitch whereas in the book harry just just like oh there's a snitch and he like lunges for it and right. grabs it Whereas in the movie, there's, like, this huge epic chase scene between Draco and Harry, which I feel like a lot of the fans, one of their favorite parts of Harry Potter is Quidditch, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. you have to play that up in the movies. I'm glad they left in the training for the ballet Potter line. Um, (laughs) Love that line. Little Tom Felton, heartthrob, 100%. Hey, Scarface! Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I love that they left this in. I think we got a much more exciting Quidditch game this time. Right, and you don't really lose anything. Like right. you still have the same outcome from it. So I liked that. If not, it's like more exciting. And like honestly, I kind of like that they didn't make him like Draco be just really bad at an all talk. I mean, in the first book, he wasn't all talk, right? He was a natural on the broom, and this could be something that he just really likes to do. Why take that from right. him? You know. I mean, yeah, I think it just like sets up even more that Draco is Harry's like nemesis and equal to him in right. many ways so he's just it, the other side of that continue coin. exactly but then harry's arm gets broken and lockhart tries to fix it i which cannot we all know what happens when lockhart tries to fix anything it <laughs> or just do anything a cluster so harry gets sent to the hospital wing and um madame pomfrey tries to grow back his bones nasty business i will say that i think in the book i preferred the hospital scene i think that the visit from dobby in the book he got a little bit more out of it than in the movie mm-hmm. just personal opinion i do like how they handled the colin creevy 
scene, though, after yeah. he gets petrified and brought in to the hospital. I think that the way they made, like, the camera smoke go up and stuff, I that was a good moment. Okay, so then we're moving along, and the dueling club starts up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, basically, we already talked last week about a, a few minor differences, like how they... In the book, it wasn't just, like, Malfoy versus Harry. Like, everyone paired off. But one thing that I did notice, when Harry curses Malfoy and he does the whole, like, Rictum Simpra spell, that is actually a a tickle spell. (laughs) So he should have, like, been, like, laughing and, like, looking like he was being tickled. But instead, he just kind of, like, lands on his ass Malfoy does, and I feel like it just would have been funny if it was a tickle spell. That's all I'm gonna say. I, <laughs> I they agree. like actually used it like that. I feel like at this point in the films, they really didn't like have set reactions to spells, right? Right. Like I it probably like, wasn't spelled out that this was a tickle spell, right? But, but like, we know it would have been cool spell. if it was <laughs> because <laughs> I would have loved to just see like Draco looking like he's gonna be his pants. Right. I also would have loved to see Hermione wrestling with Millicent Bulge. Trum. So, I don't know. There's. I feel like this was a huge missed scene that could have been super exciting. I mean, who doesn't love the scared Potter you wish part? But I right. think it could have been a lot stronger if you showed, like, the tension at this point between Slytherins and literally everyone else. Right. But then after that, when the snake is kind of um, targeting Justin and Harry is speaking in parcel tongue, not to his knowledge, and tells it to back off and Ron and Hermione are like explaining to him why it's kind of like not a good thing that he can speak to snakes and Hermione's like yeah everyone thinks you're Slytherin's heir because he could talk to snakes so at this point in time I'm like maybe they could have figured it out right now right the monster was right if they like already put this two and two together like add another two and you've the equation is solved you know what I mean? Like, they're already so close to knowing what the yeah. monster is just by knowing that, like, Slytherin controlled the monster. Only his heir could control it. Harry can speak parcel tongue. Everyone's thinking that Harry is his heir. Clearly it's a snake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I completely 100% agree with that. I also, in the movie, I'm glad that they left out all these people, like, talking shit on Harry for the most part. Yeah, I mean, they show it with him, like, studying, and, like, he looks up, and everybody's, like, always looking at him, but they leave out, like, what is actually being said. Because, honestly, like, it's a bunch of bullshit, and I I understand why it's in the book, but I'm glad they didn't show it in the movie. Yeah, I mean, you still get the the gist of You get it. You understand that they're all talking about him, but you don't have to hear it, which I think was a good choice. Right. But then, moving on... um, Justin actually gets petrified by looking through nearly headless Nick, who also gets petrified. Dies again, basically. Poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) So after this happens, um, and like clearly stuff is getting serious, more people are getting petrified. They decide that they're going to make Polyjuice Potion, and um, by Christmas time, it's ready, and they know that Draco's staying home for Christmas. So they do the whole polyjuice potion thing, which I feel like they did pretty well. There are, like, some differences, but those are things that just, like, just, like, in Sorcerer's Stone have to be cut for time. But I feel like, all in all, they did a good job of recreating the whole polyjuice potion thing. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole scene is fine. I I really think that, 
like I said, in this movie, I think they did a really good job of hitting all the major themes of this book. Yeah. Like, I honestly have, in my opinion, I think they did a better job in this book than even the first book, maybe, of leaving everything in that needed to be in. Yeah. I mean, one thing is Harry spends a lot more time with the diary and, like, kind of mulling it over and trying to figure it out than it alludes to in the movie. Like, in the movie, it seems like he gets the diary and then that night he just decides to write in it. Right. Which is fine. I mean... I feel like it kind of makes it seem more important in the book where, you you know, he's so focused on it for so long, but I get it for the point of just, like, we've got to move the action forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, in the movies it was just a time thing. I do think that it was kind of nice in the book, though, how they, everyone, well, the three of them tried to reveal things from it, um, but none could, so... Oh, and then, you know, Ron's points out that that was the name of the, like, Tom Riddle was the name of the kid who got a special award of the school um, 50 years ago, and then that was really why Harry decided to figure this diary out, because he was like, oh, Tom Riddle was here when the Chamber of Secrets was open, so. Right. He probably knows something about it. Right. So, he talks to Tom in the diary, goes back into the flashback, and sees that, um... Hagrid allegedly opened the Chamber of Secrets, which leads him to be like, well, we got to talk to Hagrid. And I do love in the movie when yes. <laughs> they talk about, like, what are we supposed to say, mad Hagrid? Are you, are you setting something mad and hairy loose in the castle? And Hagrid comes up, he's like, mad and hairy? Wouldn't be talking about me, would you? Yes. <laughs> love that scene. All of those lines are in the book, but it doesn't just happen like that like it does in the movie, which I think was brilliant that they chose to make that decision. Right. Then it just cut right to that. So then um, Hermione gets petrified right before a Quidditch match that gets canceled. And then Harry and Ron have a nasty shock because Hermione's petrified. So they decide to go talk to Hagrid mm-hmm. about the Chamber of Secrets. And they go down at night and they're under the invisibility cloak. And they don't really get anything out of Hagrid before Dumbledore shows up with Fudge and... They take him off to Azkaban, and Lucius is there. Um, And then Harry and Ron, right after that, follow the spiders. They don't, like, spend a week looking for spiders like they do in the book. Right. And go straight to Aragog, which is, like, the worst scene ever. Hate it. Hate (laughs) it so much. I can't deal with it. I skipped it, not gonna lie. I do every time, so. Yeah, I hate it. But then they get rescued by the wild car then they go down to the chamber well they talk to moaning myrtle yeah well they visit hermione they find the the piece of paper in her hand and um yeah they basically put it together jenny's been taken into the chamber of secrets and her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever and they decide to go tell lockhart in the movie again what they know and they see him packing up and Basically, everything is the same after that. Pretty much. to the chamber. I mean, the biggest thing is, like, there's more of a battle scene with the basilisk in the movie than there is in the book. Just because, like, you actually see, like, Harry running through the pipes and, like, trying to, like, distract it by, like, throwing a little rock and everything. Right. Which which isn't in the book. Which is valid. And it's a movie. That's Hollywood. So. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So it's taken on that terrifying snake. And then Fox rips its eyeballs out, which, badass. Fox might be my favorite character in this entire book, to be honest. <laughs> He's so good. He's I such a good character. I love him so much. When Dumbledore is first talking to Harry about him in his office after he, like, explodes, I, like, actually got a little teary-eyed because I was just like, Fox, you're just so damn loyal. You're just the best. And he has all of these, like, great qualities. And I'm just like, why can't I have to find a man with all these great qualities? <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, so anyway, um, I think that this whole scene was good, you know, like Harry finding out more backstory about Voldemort. Um, Voldemort is a snack, who would have thought? Oh yes, Tom Riddle. Mm -hmm. Absolute dime. Very attractive. Clearly, (laughs) they should have had this actor film every scene scene he needed to for the sixth movie, but I digress. (laughs) But yeah, so he figures that out. He, you know, goes back to Dumbledore's office. Instead of McGonagall's office. Right. Um, Dumbledore clearly knows there's an extremely special purpose behind this diary. This is obviously where he starts figuring out about Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this whole scene was good. I think the sassy Harry reply to Lucius Malfoy... Um, Uh, don't worry I will I think it was just good I love sassy Harry I love that Daniel Radcliffe just mad-libbed that (laughs) like that wasn't in the script and he just thought to himself what would Harry do oh so yeah I love this whole thing Dobby gets his sock everyone Dobby free Dobby's a free elf is free no one touches Harry Potter um Dobby I love in this this movie where Dobby just sends Lucius Malfoy onto his ass. Yeah, he does. Such a good part. Then everyone is unpetrified. There's the awkward um, Hermione <laughs> runs to Harry and they hug and then, <laughs> then she goes to hug Ron and it's like really awkward because you can tell they both are starting to like each other. Right. So but that is really one major thing that was missing was right. all of the nods to Hermione that Ron gave throughout the entire book yeah he praises this woman you can clearly tell well i guess young he girl starts worshiping point. the ground that she walks on right. in this book and we right. don't really see that in the movie i mean he is crushing hard at this point he probably hasn't admitted it to himself but he is and i think that in the book it's much more evident i do like though that they added in that little awkward handshake hug thing. yeah because that's just very like middle schooly you know right preteen crush right and then hagrid gets a applause um when he comes back from azkaban and mm-hmm. yeah there's a, that's another year at hogwarts you really can't ask for anything more or less i mean adventure action danger someone almost died there was a right. beast in the castle that no one <laughs> knew what it was <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like it was a great sequel to the first book and movie and it really kept the action going which is like what you needed to do and it started off with a bang which it needed to do and kind of reintroduced everyone again into all of the you know imaginative like creative just action that happens in this magical world and it was everything that you could ask for right and you can start to 
tell how much these characters are starting to grow. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a huge thing that the movie did well, too. Was it kind of showed, like, not only because their voices are changing, obviously, so they're growing up, but it kind of just dealt with different subject matter that was getting deeper, which it will continue to do. Right. Which, you know, we as viewers and readers are also growing and changing with these characters. So I feel like that is something that is so important to us and pretty much every other fan of the series is that most of us grew up reading these characters' lives as we were growing up alongside of them, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so important to continue that throughout the entire rest of the series. But I digress. Let's move on um, (laughs) into some exciting stuff that we're doing this month. Yes. So March is a big month. First of all, thank you so much for everyone who follows us on Instagram. We are over 500 followers. Um, So you've already seen our post from this weekend of our giveaway so don't forget to enter that you can only enter on instagram um and we'll be deciding on the winner in a couple weeks so you have time to enter but don't forget and then we have a really exciting new little competition (laughs) so sam and i are big fans of the march madness tournament um if you don't know what that is it's where every college basketball team who makes it to the tournament um competes and see who's the best so (laughs) that's that will you always explain sports to me please (laughs) yeah Yeah, sure i'm better at football um but it's a basketball tournament you know usually i always root for the underdogs so anyway um we're gonna make a huge march madness bracket that will start this week um on instagram where you can vote on our stories for who wins every day and then mm-hmm. we will keep, like, setting them up, matching them up, whichever. So we'll probably make, like, a big bracket and post it and so you guys know who's going to be up to vote on that day. Right. And um, basically the best character will win. Yeah, so I guess it's not really a competition. I just think it. we both think it would just be something, like, really fun for us to do to kind of see what characters upset other characters and who will end up being the top. So... Right. I think it'll be really fun. Yeah. But, yeah. So, stay tuned for that. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming on our Instagram. So. Yeah. And we will direct you to our Instagram and all other forms of social media. And um, so you can always follow us on Instagram at HBHalfDrunk, Twitter at HBHalfDrunk, Facebook, Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. You can also join our um, private group on Facebook. That's Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast Facebook group. Um, you can follow us on Patreon or become a patron. And you can always check out our website if you want to listen to us at hbhalfdrunk.com. And, um, you know, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, literally everywhere now. Thank the Lord. Um, (laughs) Give us a rating and review if you like what you hear. Ask us questions. Give us your feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Yes. Literally makes our days. So um, just why we do continue it. being awesome, and we will see you next week. Thank you for being here. Mischief managed.